Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where I take the week's financial happenings. That can be confusing, misleading, take you off course. I make that actionable, understandable, and clear. For this week, we've got quite a show for you. A Jeremy Siegel appearance. You may recall that he is the author of the book Stocks for the Long Run and a professor at Wharton. He has a cameo on Yahoo Finance and some quotes I want to talk about where he discusses the market as he sees it today. And then we get to go on the personal side of things where we go back to Robert's Corner where I evaluate myself, my own underpinnings financially and what I do to keep things simple or not. And then we also continue our series, one of our favorite series, which is the Brokered Certificate of Deposit series. Hold on to your seats because I tried to sell a six-month CD on Vanguard's Brokered CD Marketplace and you're going to find out how it went. So at the top of the show, Mr. Jeremy Siegel. Headline, Jeremy Siegel, long-term investors should absolutely buy now. Why the world-renowned Wharton professor remains optimistic about today's stock market. Now I'll give you just a little bit of a, this was Monday, October 31st, a little bit of a window into his brain. I almost never read something where he is not bullish. <laughs> and if any, if, you have, if any of you have read his book, you'll understand why. He is just optimistic, optimistic. Now, is that a bad thing? It depends. I think in every investing environment, it's very important to have a philosophy of investment that you can own yourself. Not an alien investing philosophy that you've adopted from someone else and just said, I will do whatever this person says, but your own investment philosophy. Now, of course, you can borrow from the greats. That's what I've done. That's what most people do. But it's important to have that because if you do not have a philosophy of investment, whether you are very bullish, very bearish, if you are lukewarm, you will get spit out of the market's mouth. You will not last. So for as much as people might accuse Jeremy Siegel as being this permeable, meaning he's always optimistic, he always thinks stocks are good to buy, at least he has a philosophy of investment. And I've adopted it myself because I believe it's repeatable. I believe it creates permanence, meaning the ability for an investor to stick with something. So, Mr. Siegel quoted, if you're a long-term investor, I would absolutely buy now. Jeremy Siegel, Siegel, professor of finance at Wharton Business School said, now, he goes on to give his version of what's going on. He points to a segment of inflation that's cooling down, housing, and that it isn't properly reflecting the index numbers. So, he believes that the glass is half full and that the Federal Reserve will therefore not hike as much as others think. Okay, He's quoted, they have to look at what's going on in the market, in the housing market, in the rental market, in the commodity market. So um, and he, he, he continues on. He says, when you're talking about 16 times earnings, what does that mean? That's, that's the way you can price the overall stock market. You're paying every dollar, you're going to pay $16 to get $1 of earnings. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, 
if you're not looking at a big old chart saying, well, what was it previously? What was it today? But Mr. Siegel is saying, great. When you're talking about 16 times earnings, even if they're clipped by recession, you shouldn't base it on recession earnings. You should base it on long-term earnings, which I think are very favorable. I think these are just absolutely excellent values, he said. Could it go down more? He says, of course. In the short run in bear markets, it's gone down more. Anything can happen in the short term. There you go. Now, others have disagreed. So Ray Dalio's Bridgewater Associates warned early in, earlier this year that we could be facing a lost decade for stock market investors. Siegel says, I disagree with that completely. Siegel says, we added 40% to the money supply since the pandemic began in March of 2020. Earnings have historically moved up just with inflation in the money supply, so stocks should be 40% higher than they were. Now, what are we, the investors, supposed to take from Mr. Siegel? And why do I read Mr. Siegel? I actually find him instructive. He keeps us going on the investing journey. Listening to someone like Jeremy Siegel can be incredibly important when the bearish noise gets louder and louder and louder, as I've heard it get louder and louder and louder, particularly as the stock market goes down. Folks who predict the world is ending become more and more confident. And so when we read someone like this, what I don't advocate for is, oh, we're supposed to just rotate into the market now. Jeremy Siegel says it's great values. No, 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 no. What, what we should inculcate when we hear Mr. Siegel is fantastic. I'm going to stick with the plan. The world's not ending. This Wharton professor, who has a track record of being bullish, to be sure, is identifying the market as fairly valued or undervalued. Again, not actionable for us in as much as it just helps us stick with the plan. So when what is, what is instructive for me, and I hope is for you, is whenever we get more and more news, particularly as there are wars and rumors of wars, it can that voice can get louder and louder that says, uh-oh. Uh-oh, what if this is it? What if, what, if, what if Ray Dalio's right? What if some of these other figureheads are right? We've got a lost decade. Let's just, let's throw in the towel, right? Because that, that's the easy button. That's the easy button. Just say, no mas, throw in the towel, you're done. Don't do that. Be willing to pay a price to own an investment philosophy. And you can, you can adopt one, but you still own it from Mr. Siegel or Mr. Bogle or Mr. Buffett. But you've got to eventually make it your own. Because when the storms come, and here they are, with the Federal Reserve raising these rates, it's making every asset worth a little bit less, you've got to have your own philosophy. So I like Mr. Siegel's philosophy. I'm a permabull myself. Uh, stick with it, friends. Do not try to move in and out on this thing. Just bit by bit by bit, keep investing and you'll be better off for it. Now for my brokered certificate of deposit saga. So as you'll recall in previous episodes, for my faithful weekly listeners, of which there are many of you, I bought a brokered certificate of deposit on the Vanguard Brokered Marketplace. I had never done this before, but as interest rates are rising, we now enter the game of how do I chase yield in an appropriate manner? So if you're at a big bank and you're getting 0.05%, that's now no bueno. If you have the ability in an easy manner to move around, maybe an online bank, great. I'll talk about that later in Robert's Corner. But what did I do? I bought a brokered CD for you, the listener, as an experiment. It, it was a six-month CD. 
It was from Customers Bank in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, 4.05%. And I bought it. And then I tried to sell it this week. And it was interesting. I'd never done this. You basically create an auction for yourself. So I put it up for sale. I got no bids initially. It takes a little while. It takes about 15 minutes. I then got three bids. The highest bid for that $1,000 CD I purchased was $950. The lowest bid being almost closer to $900. Now, that may not sound like that big of a haircut to you. It felt like it to me. So what the implied yield was, the $5 word here is yield to worst, meaning what, what sort of yield was the buyer getting by offering me these discounted rates on my CD? The buyer was getting about a 15% yield. So had I accepted these offers that Vanguard brokered for me, I would have been giving the seller a 15% yield from my 4% yield. Because I'm, I'm locked into my 4% yield, right? So long as I hold this CD to maturity in April, I'm going to get it. I didn't have the stomach, even for science, even for you, the listener. My love has bounds, I must say. My love has bounds. I couldn't click the button. I couldn't take the $50 loss. It just didn't feel right. So, and you have the option, okay? So you have the option of, of not taking the bids. I didn't take the bids. And so I still own the six-month CD. But what it taught me was there's a bit of a haircut here. And, and the market's not that liquid. So these were my learnings. Learn from this. This. Yes, you can sell it. That was nice. So if you are in a true pinch and you buy one of these certificates of deposit, okay, good. You get the option to get cash for it. There's a haircut here. And I can only imagine the haircut gets bigger the longer the duration certificate of deposit, potentially. Because there's more, more risk the buyers are taking. Oh, I've got a six-month CD. There's really not hardly any duration risk for these buyers. So I didn't want to do it. I just couldn't part with my CD. So I will just keep it like a stuffed animal that I can't get rid of. I will keep it and uh, everything should be fine. However, what I learned is, okay, if the market's just not that liquid and I can appreciate why someone wouldn't want a thousand dollar CD from customers bank in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, maybe it's just not enough money or it, um, they think they can, you know, it screams retail investor that's desperate so they can offer me a bit of a discount. Maybe the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury note is a six-month note, is a better playground because there's enhanced liquidity. Everybody knows it. It's a quick buy. So I'm going to try that for next week. I'm actually going to give that a try and see if that's a better option for people that really do feel like they've got, hey, I've got a six-month timeline, a 12-month timeline, three-month timeline. Maybe it is, and I'm basically testing out the Vanguard platform, maybe it is better to simply buy um, something a little more liquid. So I'm not caught in this auction process where I just hope for the best. And ultimately, people want a discount. Everybody wants a deal. So that is what I learned with the CDs. Uh, it's okay. To, uh, basically, my, my learnings, my final analysis is great to buy, fine to buy. Just be willing to hold it to maturity. Uh, you have liquidity, but it ain't great. You're going to take a, a little bit of a haircut. So, you know, Big picture, it's still appropriate to simply hold your cash in the Vanguard Money Market Fund, hold your cash in an online bank. There were seasons this past week where the online bank um, where I operate was offering 3%, and the Vanguard Money Market Fund was just below that, a hair below that. And so that'll happen. You'll have these peculiar times where, wow, I didn't, didn't see that coming. The bank, for whatever reason, maybe needed the deposits or felt they had to compete. 
the money market fund that day just didn't yield quite as much. It was just a hair below. So keep it simple though. Uh, be willing to, if you're at a bank just and you're at Vanguard or some other money market fund, stick, stick there. You don't have to play the CD game, but if you want to, here you go. Okay, Robert's Corner. So last week I detailed some of my purchases, some of the way I arrange my own finances. One of you commented you almost fell out of your car when I recommended Walmart Plus for groceries. Yes, the produce. I, rec- I understand the produce, but that's... I wouldn't even say it's a recommendation. It's a confession. This is more confessional than prescriptive. So um, you can learn from my mistakes. But I, yeah, I'm still sticking with Walmart, guys. Despite the, despite the fan hate mail, I'm still sticking with Walmart. I'll let you know when I, when I bug out. Okay, so for me financially, how do I organize my own finances? And if I were to audit myself, what would I say? Okay, I have a local community bank that I use. This bank, this bank is called Benchmark Bank. Why do I use them? Well, when I got married, I tried to add my spouse to my online bank. And there wasn't sufficient credit history for her, so they didn't let me do it. And she was already a, a benchmark. Great. So I found out it was wonderful. Community banks can be wonderful. Um, the service level is very high, and I found it to be better than any of the previous um, brick-and-mortar institutions that I was. I previously was a Wells Fargo customer. I had been a customer at uh, Bank of America for a season. This is, and it just felt pretty transactional. Um, and I felt like they were pushing products on me. I've never had Benchmark push a product on me, and I've always felt it was highly relational. So I, I recommend, hey, if you need a brick and mortar, and sometimes it helps to have something other than an online bank, there's some situations that they might require it, that's what I do. And I use that uh, bank for um, kitty accounts. Kids have little savings accounts, and um, it's nice to have something down the street. So it doesn't have to be Benchmark. There are plenty of other folks, but that's what I use. And then I use an online bank. I pair it with an online bank. Why do I do that? The yield game. So Capital One 360 is what I use. Currently, their money market fund is at 3%. Most of these online banks are pretty close. They're all competing with each other. Uh, and then they've got a checking account component with Capital One 360 that I use. And I will link that checking account at Capital One 360 to my credit cards. I have two credit cards at Capital One. Capital One Quicksilver cards. These are no fee cashback cards at 1.5%. And why do I have two? Because I tell a lot of clients to keep one. Mm-hmm. Physician, heal yourself. Here we go. Well, maybe one day I will. But I had a season where I kept getting my credit card hacked. And so I, mean, I think the Home Depot hack got me. You may remember these where you just, you're using your credit card. You get some server gets hacked in Nowheresville. All of a sudden, your data is at risk. So I have one credit card that's for all my monthly stuff that's just Electric, uh, city services, YouTube, TV, internet, and it all goes on this one credit card. For all of my discretionary purchases that just kind of happen at a restaurant or at a grocery store or at a uh, wherever, Amazon, I use the other Capital One 360 so that if, uh, if that main Capital One 361 gets hacked, I don't have to reset all these kind of renewing charges. I can just simply, great, get a new one and it saves me the hassle. So again, two cards, one for these kind of monthly fixed utility type deals, and then one for everything else. Now, I haven't gotten hacked in a while. I'm starting to use Apple Pay a lot, which effectively takes away the hacker's ability to 
look at you. They don't know who you are when you use Apple Pay. So hopefully that holds, but the, uh, the criminals always find a way. They are motivated and they find a way. So that's basically what I do. And then I've got my Vanguard account where I, you know, that's where I invest. That's where I use uh, market cap index funds. Yes, yes, yes. Eating my own cooking. What am I doing today? Well, I, previous to, I like an exchange traded fund with the ticker VT. It's basically Vanguard's total globe exchange traded fund. It's, I believe, seven basis points in cost, 0.07%. It's kind of one fund to rule them all. You click the button, you're done. It didn't exist when I started. So I've got a kind of a disparate number of ETFs that basically are VT. Um, and uh, because I've been investing for a while, as the new products come out, like VT, I don't always get to use them. So right now I'm underweight. Uh, international stocks. Why? Not by choice. It just keeps happening that U.S. stocks keep outperforming. And therefore, when I purchase stocks, I basically am only purchasing international stocks. Not because I'm trying to market time, or not because I think, oh, wow, I'm going to outperform, but just because I think a weighting at either 70-30 or 60-40, um, depending on who you are, long-term creates a portfolio of permanence. That's what I'm going for for myself. I want something that I can stick with for the next 50 years. And that is the filter by which I look through things, and I can stick with that filter. I can stick with that prescription because there will be decades where international outperforms, and there will be decades, as we're currently in, where domestic stocks, U.S. stocks outperform. So that's what I'm doing. I'm having to invest in international stocks to kind of catch up. Whereas when you invest in VT, it kind of you're kind of done. So what would my dream be? Okay, so if I were to scrutinize Robert Hunt and say, okay, say I'm a client of myself, what would I say? I'd say, you know, it sure would be nice if we could consolidate some of this. Now, I would have to give up certain things, but could I consolidate? I, I think I could. I've always thought um, there's a world where maybe I could ditch Capital One and I could just go with using Vanguard's money market fund as kind of my yield vehicle and the local community bank as my uh, brick and mortar. I keep cash for the month or quarter in there. I don't know. Um, I've got another little variable for me, which is I use a budgeting software called YNAB, acronym you need a budget. So every dollar has a job, every month has a plan. I recommend it. I'd say about 30% of the folks I recommend it to stick with it. It's a little bit of a haul the first month or two to get started, but then the, uh, the tailwind is huge. So that is why sometimes it helps for me to use these online accounts because they interact well with YNAB and the software, and plenty of banks do. It's just that Vanguard really doesn't, and Benchmark currently doesn't do auto-linking. You can kind of do manual underwriting or manual programming with, with YNAB, which is just fine. So that's what I do. Again, this is not an endorsement or a prescription for you. This is a confessional for me and for you to get uh, behind the scenes on what do I do. My, my, my main goal, my main vision, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could just have one financial institution I do everything at, and they did everything well. Uh, they did great yields, they great interface, great online, just one one financial house to do it all. Charles Schwab would probably be the closest if you forced me to do that. Uh, you know, you're going to get cross-sold like crazy, but everyone does that now. But they've got a banking component, an investing component. You just use your ETFs, free trades. You, they have a credit card component. It's American Express. But there, there is a world where I think, I think you could go all Charles Schwab 
if you just wanted to interact with one financial institution. Right now, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm interacting with, I guess, quite a few. Benchmark, Capital One 360, Vanguard, uh, for me personally. So that's what I do. I'll let you know if I make a change. Um, what's hard, and the reason why there are always better options than Capital One 360 right now, there are better options. A lot. Of, I mean, there are plenty. The, the marketplace is always changing. I don't always want the hassle of changing with it. So even though there might be a better online bank than Capital One 360, I've already got my credit cards. They're already linked. I've already got. The, you know, there's this stickiness with the product, and so that's what inertia keeps us where we are sometimes. So that's your update for this week. Thanks for listening in. As always, keep the cost low. Keep the time rising long. Keep that investing simple. That's what's going to serve you well in the months and the years and the decades to come.